we ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which was, there's no such thing as a fish. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fish. No, seriously, it's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph, no such thing as a fish. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with Anna Chazinski, Ann Miller, and Andy Murray. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in a particular order, here we go. Starting with you, Andy. My fact is that in 18th century France, tooth pullers were entertainers who performed in front of cheering crowds. So one of them had the party trick of pulling teeth out of a patient with one hand while firing a pistol with the other and all the while he had his head in a sack. <laughs> Why was he shooting I don't get the gun shooting bit? It's just it's, it's a touch it's, of flamboyance. Exactly. It's showbiz. Yeah. It was just, it was entertainment. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a I've got a really painful tooth. Great. Well, I've got a show on at <laughs> yeah. uh, 8 p.m. You can make down. it. There was one guy who did that in the late 1800s who was called Edgar Parker. He might be the person you're talking about. Oh, okay. I think he's Edgar Parker and he changed his name by deed poll to Painless Parker. Well, That's really it was cool. Parker. Clever. Yeah. James the 4th of Scotland was a keen amateur dentist. A keen amateur sounds a bit like he wasn't good at being even an amateur. <laughs> yeah. He like, just tried really hard. Yeah. Don't give up, son. Don't give up. One, you day, will... one day you could make amateur. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious day. Um, well, Peter the Great did that as well. He practiced it on his nobles dentistry. So if you had a toothache and Peter the Great was around, you had to keep it to yourself. Because yeah. otherwise he'd say, come on, get in the chair. No anesthesia. Yeah. Ow, what was that? You've got a sore tooth? No, no, it's a headache. It's a no, headache. No, yeah, sinuses, sinuses. Headache, uh, I have something for that. I'll just get my hammer. Yeah, just get my brain sore. Um, and he kept all the extracted teeth in a little bag. He was very oh. proud of it. And it's now in the uh, the Kunstkamera, the museum in St. Petersburg. Wow. Yeah. There's, a, there's a bunch of fairies planning a heist. Mark Zuckerberg's dad is a dentist and his website advertises or used to advertise We Cater for Cowards. And he's he specifically targets people who have dentists. That's a phobia. really good idea. Because they make they're quite anti-anesthetizing if you don't need it, but some people get so freaked out by the dentist. Yeah. His website should say, we pull teeth out of your Facebook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so I read that the Egyptians used to use toothpaste way before toothbrushes were invented. Yes. And, but it doesn't sound very nice. It was things like ox hooves, ashes, burnt eggshells and pumice. Oh, yeah, lovely. Sounds and penis. Pumis. So you say? Pumis. Pumis. Worst chatter blind ever. <laughs> or excuse for infidelity. <laughs> I lost my toothbrush, darling. <laughs> the plumber happened to be here. <laughs> um, so the Egypt- Egyptians used the gross toothpaste 5,000 years before the toothbrush was invented. The yeah. first toothbrush was made with the bristles from a pig's neck. Bristles from a pig's from neck. A pig's Damn, neck. like better than the penises the ancient Egyptians used. That's true. It's definitely an improvement. In 2013, a man escaped from prison in Sweden to go to the dentist. Mm. He went to the dentist. He had the affected tooth pulled out, and then he reported himself to the police, and they took him back to prison. Oh. He got a day added to his sentence as punishment. That's fantastic. Yep. Did he book? Uh, I don't, you've got one phone call. Yeah. <laughs> they should have known, really, when he was going, yeah, on the 27th, <laughs> yeah. next month. Yeah, yeah it's fine. 3 p.m., okay, cool. Right, I might be a bit sweaty and disheveled when I arrive. I just want you to know that. <laughs> just work around it, work around it. While I'm here, do you have large sums of cash on the premises? <laughs> 
just because your fact was about obviously uh, funny sort of entertainment in um, centuries past and freak shows, there was a guy Joseph Pujol or Pujol who in the 19th century hmm. made his living by farting, and his, his <laughs> made his living was yeah yeah what standard or was he Le was he what? Yes, he was Le Petamain. There's yes. a whole film about him. He was incredible. Yes, there is. The man Are who you? could fart. Yeah, he could suck air in through yeah. his bottom and then do tunes. He retired from his farting <laughs> career to <laughs> become a baker after the first world <laughs> war. Oh, no, I wouldn't eat his pies. I, don't, I do wonder how successful he was in that. So yeah. he went from breaking wind to breaking bread. <laughs> oh, very nice. Just a joke for you all. He claimed that the farts also did not smell. He memorably said my parents ruined themselves scenting my rectum what <laughs> who is this man what does that, that mean he was a French cabaret entertainer cabaret's really his, improved his, his, <laughs> his parents had spent an enormous amount of money making sure that his, his farts did not smell bad oh, like, a scent, like a scented candle <laughs> Could, uh, he, <laughs> could he have used bad. himself as an air freshener, do you think? Hire himself out <laughs> to people's Corporate events. Every 15 minutes, he just releases another waft of lavender <laughs> yeah. into the room. <laughs> okay, time for fact number two, and that is Anna. My fact this week is that in the First World War, the Romanian army issued an order that only officers above the rank of major had the right to wear eyeshadow in battle. No, there are so many elements in that. The rank of major, then wearing eyeshadow, and then in battle. So presumably outside <laughs> battle, all bets were off. Yeah, 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 outside battle, you can do what you want. You can <laughs> wear socks on your nose. That's the and... army, isn't it? Outside battle, we don't care what you do. Have a good time. Yeah. Neil Varnish still alright? I think Neil Varnish is okay. But again, in the US Army new regulations, there's recently been a ban on men wearing nail polish. Who's doing that? In China and Japan a few thousand years ago, everyone uh, painted their nails. Okay. Just the thing you did. Maybe there's a, that's a niche little kind of tribute group to ancient China that exists in the US <laughs> yeah. Army that they need to crack or... down on. <laughs> and the Romans used to paint their nails with blood. It'd go weird brown almost immediately, wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe they keep reapplying their fresh supply. Yeah. That's the only reason they were so murderous, actually. Well, to get the Roman army, they because they couldn't to... tell who was murdering because everyone had blood on their hands. In those days, you've got blood on your hands wasn't a bad thing. It was just it was just a statement of fact about yeah. everyone. Ooh, look yeah. at you, blood on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah, been down super drug, two for three pounds. Yeah. It's smudged a little bit, actually. It's also on your knife. Uh... <laughs> um, that's where we get cosmetics from, is Roman times. Mm. They had cosmeti. Who were slaves, whose job was to apply makeup and perfume to mm. their mistresses and help out with the toilette. So that's nice. where we get the word from. Cosmetite. Oh, really? Isn't that cool? Really? Do you know where we got the word makeup from? You've seen those adverts for Max Factor, the makeup of makeup artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was an actual guy called Max Factor. Yes. So his oh, name yeah. was Maximilian Factoritz. He's from Poland. And he coined makeup as a noun from to make up your face as a verb. And he was the first one to turn it into a noun. He was the first person. Max Factor. And that is why it's extremely hard to research makeup if you're looking for well, what people were wearing in the olden times. Because it's a very new bloody word and there's no real old equivalent for it. Except blood you on your hands. Turns out some of history's <laughs> biggest murderers were actually just height of fashion. The ancient Romans, who were bold, would disguise it by painting their heads. Mm. Weirdly, when it rains, it, it sort of seems to... Uh, <laughs> it grows, it slides like it a grows. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my favourite fact that I've read about the whole thing of like just what you're allowed to wear in war and so on is that hygiene and clothing was quite a big thing. They always wanted the soldiers to have clean clothes. So apparently, any time you saw a battlefield, 
there would always be huge clothing lines just behind where they were stationed of people drying huh. their clothes for them and getting them what? clean. Yeah, so anywhere that an army moved, behind them was almost a laundromat. Staff. Yeah, that came That's along. Great. Yeah. Where were you in the war? Were you on the front line? No, I was really on the washing line. <laughs> um, speaking of effeminate, did you see those pictures of North Korean soldiers, female soldiers who wear stilettos when they're on parade? Yeah, they're just trying to look taller, like cats, to make themselves look big. Maybe. Well, that's why we uh, have the bearskins, isn't it? Was to yeah, even talk. try and to make fool, them look to fool taller. incredibly stupid enemies of the crown. <laughs> Thanks for thinking that bears are coming. <laughs> God, God. British have really long heads. They've got massive skulls. <laughs> <laughs> um. I find so. I find the bearskins quite weird that they still exist. Do you know how many bears it takes to make one of those hats? Uh, or how many hats per bear? Where? You could probably get ten hats from a bear. You think ten hats from a bear? Yeah. It's the one hats hat. are quite big. One hat one from a bear. Does yeah. the hat include the head of the bear, or is it just the skin? Yeah, that's what they've got underneath the hat, is right. this roaring head. That's the last line of defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is the bear. <laughs> Take off the hat. You unleash the bear at the right moment. So uh, one bear, per, one hat per bear. Yep. And so every year we need a hundred new ones, and so a hundred bears we're killing a year in That's order terrible. to. That's terrible. Imagine these. the guy just cut a tiny square out of this bear skin. No, <laughs> throw the rest away. <laughs> Are you sure we can make nine or ten more hats out of this single bear skin? Yep. No, 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 no. We want only the finest back hair from the bear. <laughs> Do you know what? One bear, one the hat. small of the back. That's it. Do you remember because I went, I went bear trekking in Greece a few months ago? Oh, yeah. Did you see any bears? Um, of, course, I, of course not. They're all in Buckingham Palace. They're all in the hat. <laughs> That's where you want to go. You're, Just you go watch the changing of the guards. Trekking there, yeah. We saw lots of tracks, but we didn't see any of the wild. Um, I have one other really cool makeup fact. Did you know that um, Dave Myers from the Harry Bikers started his career as a makeup artist? Did he? Yeah, ah. he specialised in prosthetics. He worked at the BBC. That's where he met Sly King, the other Harry Biker. He was a locations manager and uh, first AD on films, including Harry Potter. And they met on the induction of a Catherine Cookson drama. Can you guess what Samuel Pepys bought his wife to uh, to improve her looks. Was it his cheese? No. His cheese was your guess? It. It's not nice. I'll tell you that much. Oh, a snake. No. no. It was puppy urine. Oh, ah. Why just get her a puppy? You'll get plenty of urine. You're and right. you get pets. That's true. Upon up with some little discontent with my wife upon her saying that she had got and used some puppy dog water. Um, being put upon it by a great desire of my Aunt White, who hath a mind to get some for her ugly face. Oh, he's a charmer. It's your anniversary, darling. Look what I've got you. <laughs> so ugly, puppy urine will improve your face right now. I'm not going near you until you've covered yourself in dog wee. It's quite possibly the worst anniversary gift. Um, so looking into military dress, drab is a colour. Um, so drab comes from in the 19th century when the British Army and others stopped being colourful and we started wearing camouflage, we started wearing a dull brown colour. Mm. It was drab and everyone dressed up in drab. That is fantastic. I can legitimately say to my girlfriend, you're looking very drab tonight, dear, and she can't be offended by that. But would you say to her you're looking very red tonight or very blue tonight? <laughs> you're out, you're, so your outfit no. is very drab tonight. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. There you go, Andy. Okay, time to move on to fact number three and that is Anne. My fact is that the most borrowed children's author from British libraries doesn't exist. How does she not exist? <laughs> She's not a real person. Okay. What? <clears throat> What's her name? Daisy Meadows. But she, is she so, a syndicate? Sort of. She's a front for this group. So it's a series <laughs> of books called Rainbow Magic. They are crazy popular. There are over 
150 of them. They sold over 20 million copies. And it's a company called Working Partners who created the book. They make it by committee. Nobody owns any of the ideas, any of the characters. They have a bunch of writers who write the books. They're basically loads of... They're basically a mini-series. You get the pet series or the school fairies. There was one um, I read about called the Pop Star Fairies, and they all have names that kids will recognise. There's Jessie, presumably Jessie J, Adele, the singing fairy, Miley, the stylist fairy. But there are seven in the series, and four of them are... I don't know if you guys know this band. So think of a band that have a Vanessa, a Frankie, a Rochelle, and an Una. The Saturdays. Right, there are five people in the Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Molly's the other one. Molly's the other one, so she's not wow, in the Wow, Andy, so okay. let's just take a moment, <laughs> shall we? Yep. <laughs> and see what just happened there. I, I just know there's a Molly in the Saturdays. There is a Molly in the Saturdays. Because you read that phrase, don't you? Molly from the Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's very pop culture. Do they Are they directly doing that? Yes. Do, yeah, in, do, so they, they, do the are, characters look very want, similar? Um, I don't know what they look like, because I haven't actually read the full series myself. Uh-huh. But I did notice do, they... Do your research, Anne. <laughs> I'm really sorry, guys. I didn't read all 200 books. Um, but so they have things um, like they brought out Elizabeth the Jubilee Fairy. Okay. They have oh. Kate the Royal Wedding Fairy. More cynically, they brought out Alexandra the Royal Baby Fairy in May 2013. Prince George was born in July 2013. Oh. And I'm pretty sure Alexandra was the running favourite if, if it had been a girl. Oh. So it's like That's... an alternative timeline now. Maybe fairies have different pregnancy um, gestation, gestation periods. periods. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. they only go for six months. I don't think it's ever been documented. Uh, so these have become quite popular, collaborative writing. It's it's a thing now. There's another one called Erin Hunter, and the reason she's called Erin Hunter is because so that uh, so the series is pitched at the same kind of people who like the Brian Jack Redwall series, and the reason she's called that is because Hunter would be close to Jack in libraries so that people who are browsing Redwall... But this happens again. I think Lee Child, who does very well um, with his books, he picked his... It's a pen name, and he picked it because Child is between... Christie and Chandler. So he'd let people be browsing that section and be like, hey, who's this new guy? We should check it out. Oh, okay, okay, right. There's a new app called Inkvite. Have you guys heard of this? No. Yeah, no. Because my phone doesn't do apps, but it's where you can do collaborative fiction yourself. So it's kind of like a more pretentious game of consequences, I think, where you can invite up to four people and you're allowed to write, I think, 280 words of your novel and then you pass it on to the next person and they write oh, I like and then that. you pass it around. I think you mean more fun rather than more pretentious. Yeah, no, it does sound actually quite fun. Um, a set of button. collaborative books that I really like. <laughs> I've been obsessed with them since I've arrived in this country. I haven't Dan, read them yet. Was it Sweet Valley High? Uh, no, but Sweet Valley High also obviously fits into this category. Um, so no, this is not one single author, but Mills and Boone books. You love Mills and Boone? I love the concept of them. I just love the turnaround. Them? No, I really, I'd love to write one one day. Um, I'd love to write a science fiction one, and I know that they don't have, or I thought they didn't have their own science fiction arm, but they, they, do. they do. There's a science fiction paranormal arm, and there's amazing titles. They do this thing, by the way, where they, if someone in a paranormal one visits a dinosaur and has an erotic moment with a dinosaur oh, yeah. they don't consider it bestiality because all the animals and crypto animals in it are intelligent so so, so they're just mine. like us and consenting yeah. yeah so right taken by t-rex hang on it's still hang on. oh <laughs> hang on i remember seeing Got. these book covers they did the rounds a while ago like dinosaur erotica was that mills and boone all that along was, that was dan emailing them <laughs> 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 that's, that's my novel <laughs> i've got a birthday coming up hint hint <laughs> go on taken by a t-rex and the rest are too rude frankenstein's a bitch <laughs> it's not rude that's lazy that's lazy lazy writing milked by aliens that's <laughs> all God. Oh, that's not even a sexy thing I know this that's just farming right. this one's the oddest come for Bigfoot <laughs> but here's the thing so Mills and Boone um, why I'm fascinated by it is that um, no same book stays on the shelf for longer than three months they pulp it straight after wow so they have a huge turnaround 
Um, and in 2008, they were saying six point, every 6.6 seconds, someone bought a Mills and Boone book. So the same guy? <laughs> it was Dan. <laughs> well, here's the thing that Standing at the till with a bigger and bigger pile next to him. <laughs> you know, I've got to have another one. I've finished this one already. They are, you can read them very quickly, quick to be read. fair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they, they, they equate for three quarters of all romance novels that are bought into this country. I like how we're calling these romance. <laughs> taken by a T-Rex. No, 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 no. I've headed back and to... Romance, Mo- are we? That's what MX Disney well, movie. <laughs> did you read um, that brilliant thing about what they do with pulp mills and bones? Oh, yeah, this is a QI question. Yeah, right? it was the, was it the M6 or the M8 toll road is made up of pulp mills yeah. and bones. So yeah. when you drive down, you're driving over all those taken by T-Rexes. They, they use the foundations didn't they, the, in, in the foundations to stabilise it. That's yeah. why it's always a bit of a turn-on when you're driving, driving down the M6. Yeah. Only, only for Dan. Yeah, turn yeah. left and turn on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So I was looking at libraries and tar- the Tarzan books were banned from some libraries in America in the 1950s because Tarzan and Jane were living in sin. Wow. Yeah. What's the great fact you told me about Tarzan, Anna? It's that, um, oh, yeah, the guy who wrote Tarzan is the great-grandfather of Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah, true. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes. yes. So I was just looking at other, or oh, I stumbled upon other stuff that's been banned uh, for amusing reasons. And do you guys remember a couple of years ago when dictionaries were removed from classrooms in California? No. Because no. Uh, a parent complained that a child stumbled across in the Merriam-Webster dictionary the phrase oral sex. So the district spokeswoman, Betty Cadmus, told a newspaper that the books were immediately pulled off the shelves and temporarily housed off location to make sure that children didn't get their hands on it. And I really like, and it wasn't me that spotted this stunning irony, um, it was a blogger who's Dennis Barron, who's a professor of linguistics, pointed out that her name was Betty Cadmus, who was issuing the statements. Cadmus was the Phoenician who brought writing to the ancient Greeks. Wow. And she took it away. taken it away. That's great. <laughs> it's nice, isn't That's it? so good. Um, in the 1960s, in public libraries, you used to have things which were called block books, which were wooden blocks on the shelves, and that was in place of any books that the librarians thought were uh, risque or obscene or, oh, you know. Like so, top shelf. Well, what you had to do, basically, uh, you had to take the block to the counter and then they would get the book out from under the desk and give it to you. <laughs> was it to shame people? Because you feel really dodgy when someone has to go beneath the <laughs> counter to get something Imagine arriving you. at the front desk with just an armful of wooden blocks. <laughs> yeah. saying, I'd like all these, please. <laughs> <laughs> Granny behind you giving you a really disapproving yeah. stare. It's Tarzan. Come on. Um, do you guys know what the most banned book in 2013 was? I think I think this was in America. Wasn't someone trying to ban To Kill a Mockingbird again? I don't know. That was banned, though. Yeah, that was famously banned. banned it was it, was it atheism for sexy people? Was it Billy Goat? This is just another excuse to slip in a fact, but Billy Goat's Gruff was banned in Oregon because it was deemed too violent for children to be in a children's library. Oh. Mm. But I take it it wasn't that. Um, it Proper was American. Captain Underpants by Dan Pilkey. That's an outrage. It's mm. one of the great works of literature of the 20th century. Fantastic kids' books. God, I used I've to read never them. heard of them. No. Oh, you know, they're, they're very popular. They're about school. They're about a headmaster who gets hypnotised um, into thinking that he's Captain Underpants and any time a, a certain key word goes off, he suddenly becomes Captain Underpants and <laughs> runs around with a cape and his underpants and does adventures and it's all in his head. It's well, I really, it's very funny, I really thought yeah. you were going to say any time a certain keyword goes on, he whips his underpants <laughs> off. <laughs> I was going to say, as a head teacher, I can sort of see why, why these books were banned. If he's Captain Underpants, does he wear his trousers over his underpants, like the opposite of Superman, who famously wears his underpants over his trousers? But oh, Superman's yeah. not called Captain Trousers. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's where my clever analogy breaks down. I'm 
unfortunately. <laughs> also, another banned book. I was very surprised by this. Uh, Where's Wally? Got banned for quite a long time. Why is Wally Why is it so frustrating? Because it's too hard. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, right, it's, called, it's called Where's Waldo, but someone noticed. So in America, it's Where's Waldo. Someone noticed that in one of the drawings that on a beach, there was a topless lady <laughs> laying on the beach. A drawing topless Yeah, and you could, I mean, she was laying on but, her stomach, lifting up, so it was kind of more side boob. Well, it's obscene and I'm disgusted. Well, <laughs> I reckon um, the person that found her is probably a genius at finding Wally. He can find boobs on a page. Yeah, That's yeah true. well, I'm sure he's fantastic at finding oral sex in the dictionary as well. Some people <laughs> are just desperate to be offended. <laughs> um, I really like this. In the Second World War, some authorities, some local authorities, established, uh, they, they put collections of books in air raid shelters. So the, there was a tube station at Bethnal Green, and it had 4,000 books in it, and 6,000 people would turn up every night in the shelters, and they'd have a library available to them. And uh, there were really, really sort of intellectual books as well, like uh, Bertram Russell and Schopenhauer and, you know, all, all kinds of... Oh, I see. The, the people with lowbrow taste don't deserve to be entertained, entertained in an air raid. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's, it's, you know, very impressive thinking of people sheltering from air raids and also yeah. reading some of the great works. Bertram, I'd be so pissed off. You're terrified. You just need something easy to distract you and all yeah. you've got is great works <laughs> of philosophy. Exactly. I would have preferred books with the titles like How to Survive an air raid <laughs> and how to survive being trapped in a small tunnel it's with not, a group of other very, very scared humans. It's not very escapist though, is it? No, more It's more sort of in the brutal realism tradition. Okay, well, um, when we're fighting over the last rat in the tunnel <laughs> and you're quoting deep philosophy to me. And Dan's munching away on his rodent. <laughs> Who's having the better time? Because I read 101 Ways to Cook a Rodent. <laughs> The first ever mobile library was horse-drawn. That's really nice. I think is so cool. And they still have, uh, in bits of, I think, North Africa, they have a camel mobile library. They travel around from town to town, and they have school books, and they have all kinds of educational things. I just think that's incredible. Wow. And then when they they stay for a few days, and then they go off across the desert again. Seeking out the next air raid shelter. That would have been cool (laughs) if you'd gone into an air raid shelter, and there were just loads of camels there waiting for you. (laughs) That dad would be trying to eat them. Yeah, Yeah. I think (laughs) There are some places where, it might be in the UK, where you can get books from the National Health Service if you're depressed. Oh. oh, I thought you meant books about the National House. You actually mean you can get them prescribed? Yeah, yeah you can Ooh. get prescribed books. Well, kind of like Bertrand Russell. I'm not sure what kind. <laughs> Life not a lie. Uh, wound cauterizing for dummies. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for the final fact of this show, and that's my fact. My fact this week is that it would cost 850 quadrillion dollars to build the Death Star. <laughs> and you're probably wondering how... I yes, I know this. Uh, I discovered this fact. There's a website that you can go on online called We the People, which is set up by the White House specifically for people who want to ask a question Mm. to Barack Obama. And the idea is that you put it up as a petition, and if enough people sign it, the White House has to officially reply. And one of the questions was a response to secure resources and funding and begin construction of a Death Star by 2016. Uh, and the response, uh, it was a fantastic response. They said, we, we can't do this. We, we agree that we share your desire for job creation, a strong <laughs> national defense, um, but it's just not on the horizon. One being that it would cost $850 quadrillion. Uh, two, the administration does not support blowing up planets. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> Which th- is wait really so nice. the White House administration calculated how much it would cost them to build a Actually, no, it was someone else. Uh, they, oh, they didn't they've, actually said it they've to their provided a link. If you just find out, if it's under 100, we can do Yeah, these guys have a point. Is this, <laughs> is this <laughs> feasible? <laughs> yeah. I mean, NASA. Damn it, it's not. No, and also, uh, also, it would take years and years to gather all the material that you would need. I think it said it would take 833,315 years. 
to wow. make. Well, I'll be no. dead by then. <laughs> to, find, to find, get enough steel. To get enough steel to actually make it. On petitions, you know this recent innovation <laughs> in the British government, which is that the government has an e-petitions website, and anything yeah. that gets 100,000 signatures is passed to a business committee in the House of Commons for possible debate. This has generated quite a lot of amazing petitions, like ban bald football players from Liverpool Football Club. Okay. Uh, royal baby to be given Lion King welcome. Ah. Oh, nice. Isn't that good? Yeah. Um, what is that? Is that held up on held the up edge over, of a cliff? Yeah. <laughs> by, uh, uh, of Bell. yeah. by Rafiki. Do you know what was re- what's really cool is this We the People site. Mm. Um, it's actually, in terms of research, really a fantastic place to find stuff out. So uh, one of the petitions was asking the White House if they could release the recipe for the honey ale homebrewed at the White House. I'll just quickly, just very quickly tell you about it, which is, uh, so President Obama bought a homebrewing kit for his kitchen in the White House. And then they had the chefs and they had all the people who work there who do brew their own beer come and sort of create this ultimate kind of uh, yeah. recipe that they could then use. And now they stick to this one recipe and it's the White House's official honey ale brewing beer that they all, it's, it's a drink they all drink there. It's the first as well, I've learned from this article, it's the first evidence that there's been beer brewed in the White House. Um, so they have in the past have known that George Washington used to do whiskey, but that mm-hmm. wasn't in the White House. Uh, that Jefferson used to make wine, but again, um, that was, uh, maybe that was in the White House, but this is definitely the first right. beer in the White House. So oh. President Obama's given the White House a beer. Oh, at least he brought them something here. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? I don't mean that. I quite like him. <laughs> and lastly, what's really nice is the uh, the ingredients for the beer is all unique, um, but the honey particularly, because they use honey that they tap from the first ever beehive that the White House has had, which is on the South Lawn. Oh. Their own yeah. honey, their own beer. So it's their own beehive. To create the honey for their own home-brewed honey ale. A bunch of kind of rural hippies, really, aren't they? Yeah, and if it takes off, they might leave this whole government nonsense. They might just go into (laughs) beer brewing. That is what the Republicans want them to do. (laughs) We want smaller government, and we want more home-brewed honey ale. Obama, don't get us wrong, we like your beer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to know my favourite Star Wars fact? Go on. Oh, yeah. It's that NSYNC, the band, Justin Timberlake's band, made a cameo in Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones but they were cut out of the final version yeah thank god another thing I love about Star Wars is um, Dave Prowse who was Darth Vader's body Dave Prowse is also the Green Cross Code man and he gave an interview a few days ago where he said that that was his best role of his life was not not being Vader being the goody and saving lives (laughs) you just ruined Darth Vader for a lot of captivated and terrified children now now think he's a little goody two shoes car safety Darth Vader never crossed the road between two cars you'll notice that in all the films all the films (laughs) no no matter what he might do he did cross the road Never does it once. David Prowse has the best title of an autobiography for me. What is it? I think it's uh, it's called Straight from the Force's Mouth. <laughs> that is very good. <laughs> kind of. He doesn't talk uh, in Star Wars. Well, he's not known he for his voice. He was going to have the voice of Darth he did Vader. Think he was, gonna have he was the convinced voice. that he was going to have it, and then yeah. they revealed that actually we don't really want a West Country accent for yeah. this master it's of scary. the universe. But there is <laughs> so a video funny. kicking about of him doing the voice. I've seen it. It's brilliant. Yeah. I actually came up with what I thought was a better title for his book, Ooh, which is The Empire Strikes Hardback. That is very nice. good. So you yeah. have to change it for paperback. Um, Star Trek invented the touchscreen. Did it? Was Did it? I was saying. So Apple Star Trek it. had, yeah, yeah, um, Captain Kirk used to write with his little touchscreen pen thing um, oh. on a touchscreen. I mean, 
It's not like on set they had this new touchscreen thing that they've invented going, <laughs> guys, true. should we patent this now or nah. should we continue with the series? That is true. It is substantially harder to, to invent an iPad than it is to say, I've got a magic device that lets me do anything, <laughs> talk to anyone. Like J.K. Rowling invented the invisibility cloak. <laughs> I think we should, we, should, we, should, exactly. we should invent something right now. Invisibility cloak does exist now, doesn't it? Um, it does, sele- kind reflective of. stuff. Yeah, it? you can see it. It's the only issue. <laughs> I thought you couldn't. It doesn't. Uh, it, you can put it over your hand or your head. They've tried it, and it doesn't tamper with anything around it. Oh. And you can't. You can see the background behind it. Anyway, that's been invented. <laughs> a hoverboard's been invented, which is apparently a thing from that Back to the Future, fantastic. which is another thing I, I haven't seen. I saw footage of it the other day. It looks amazing. It does look fun. It does look really cool. I mean, it looks very beta. It looks very you know early stages, right. but it is working. Mm, that's fantastic. Uh, there's a great blog about Star Trek inventions. Years ago, it came out, so I'm sure most people, if they know Star Trek, know this, but someone did a list of all the things that Star Trek didn't invent, um, <laughs> including cup holders <laughs> on the uh. ship. Always had a cup in the head. Uh, seat belts. Uh, you yeah. think a seat belt. They're always flying around <laughs> the starship when they're attacked. Yeah. On Star Trek, inventing touchscreens. The first touchscreen in real life was invented in 1888, and it was invented by this person called Alicia Gray, and it was like a kind of fax machine, so it used this electric pen to transmit an electric signal across wires, and it meant you could draw a picture, and then someone at the other end, in 1888, could see the picture that you'd drawn, and this was used for things that needed signatures. So it was used quite commonly in hospitals and banks and stuff. You'd be like, oh, you need me to sign that? I'm sorry I'm not here, but I'll just sign that over the phone. That's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. We, we still can't do that. Well, we don't we lose, anymore. Do we lose it? We obviously. So we've lost technology. I mean, I I don't know. I've we've never been backwards. able to sign over the telephone. Me neither. But you can key in your pen. Well, they couldn't do that in 1800. We've forgotten. It's it. faxing, isn't it? No, 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 it's no, like no live it's, it's live. It's like draw something. But... I don't believe that. Me either. <laughs> so excited. Amazing. It's a real thing. Wow. I suppose it sends an electric signal of of a device moving over paper, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah but we just, just we just... don't have that. Don't we? In using a like sure I've got one somewhere. Google Docs. <laughs> Look is... at the attic. Check your drawer. <laughs> Alex has probably got one in the stationery cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> He's been telling us to use it for years. Yeah. Can <laughs> I tell you my favourite Star Trek fact? This will be my last <laughs> Star Trek fact. Uh, yeah. It's that. Spock was originally going to be Martian. He was going to be from Mars. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but he, he didn't end up being Martian because the other writers kind of laughed the idea out of the room because they said by the time the series was nearing the end of its first series or a few series, mm. we would be on Mars. No. And no one oh, would no. mean it would just not be believable. That's so funny. Yeah. That's great. So they made him from Vol- I like that that's the bit they thought wouldn't be believable with the whole of Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything else was like, Something about space that I learned recently. Um, I'm reading Commander Hmm. Chris Hadfield's book at the moment, former captain of the International Space Station. He, when he was out on his first ever spacewalk and he was trying to fix something on the International Space Station, had a huge pain in his eye, which forced tears out of his eye. And he was saying that it ended up sending him blind because tears don't function like normal tears in space. They don't fall. They instead build up as a huge blob over your eye. So he was suddenly blind completely in one of his eyes because this huge body of water was sitting in front of it. And it got so big that it eventually passed over the bridge of his nose to his other eye. So suddenly he's out in space... Blind. And he's trying to fix the International Space Station, and he completely blind. Just literally couldn't see anything. Blinded literally blinded by his tears. But he has made a double bubble, right? Which is something you're always trying to do when you're blowing bubbles. The so part of him is pleased, and part of him is like, this is very inconvenient. Bad news, NASA, and some good news as well. <laughs> good news for eight-year-old me. 
Um, but apparently what would happen is naturally the tears would get so big that it couldn't hold it anymore and it would... Flood space. It would flood. <laughs> All of space would be flooded. <laughs> That's what feels um, and you, But you'd still have to be seeing through a kind of... As if you were looking through goggles, I guess. So I was looking at other things that people have valued, uh, fictional things. They valued Mr. Burns' manor, which is worth $127 million. <laughs> and, but that has to include things like a bottomless pit, which he has. So a right. Simpsons fan, let's see how many references a Simpsons fan listening can get. Bottomless pit, a room containing a thousand monkeys banging on a thousand typewriters and a robotic Richard Simmons. <laughs> uh, Wayne Manor would be $105 million. But also... Is that this, it? Yeah, no, it's affordable. Uh, it's without club effects together? and... Um, but they made a real Simpsons house in 1997. They ran a competition for someone to win the Simpsons house. And the winner had a choice of either taking home $75,000 or getting to live in the Simpsons house, which had been totally recreated to look exactly like it inside and out. But if they chose the house option, they were contractually obliged as soon as they took their prize to repaint it so it looked like a normal house again. Oh. So the person who won it took the 75 grand oh. instead. I thought you were going to say the contract was every day when they got home, yes, they had to recreate <laughs> the intro title sequence, which would eventually get very annoying. Yeah. They had to paint themselves yellow permanently. Yeah. And, children, and cut boy, off girl, one of their girl. fingers as well. Yes. Yeah. Do they do that? Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they they do that. <laughs> that famous opening sequence of The Simpsons. <laughs> well, they all cut off they their last finger, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this episode, you can get us all on Twitter at either at QI Podcast or on our individual Twitter accounts. I'm on Schreiberland. Andy? At Andrew Hunter M. Anne? At Miller underscore M. And Jasinski? Uh, you can email podcast at qi.com. And you can also head to no such thing as a fish.com for all of our previous episodes. And we will be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>